You're listening to Deal Talk with 7MA, providing invaluable insight into investment banking and the M&A space through honest conversations with industry thought leaders, business pioneers, and innovators. We'll pull back the curtain and give you the inside scoop on trends in our targeted industries and provide you the tools to better position your company in today's market. Welcome back to another episode of Deal Talk with 7MA. The following episode was originally recorded as part of our Access 2020 event and features an M&A market update led by 7 Mile Managing Director, Ben Lunka. Hello, all. This is Ben Lunka with the 7 Mile Advisors team. Well, let's go ahead and get started. I see we've got a sizable group. My name is Ben Lunka. I'm a Managing Director with a 7 Mile team. And I'm pleased to be able to present to you today a bit of an update on what we've been seeing in the M&A market, particularly in a very interesting year, ebbs and flows and different macroeconomic factors that have been greatly impacting the M&A market. So we're going to spend a little bit of time walking through a deck. I've got 45 minutes slated for this webinar. If you're new to this way of, of Zoom webinars, there's a Q&A feature that should be at the bottom of your screen. I'm going to try to hit some questions as we go along, but more likely we'll save the questions as we get through to the end. I've already received a few that I'll hit throughout. But if you'd like to ask questions as we go, please feel free to use that Q&A feature. And then I'll hit as many of those as I can, saving probably the last five to 10 minutes of the presentation specifically for that. But in the meantime, there's four or five primary topics that we'll plan to cover as a part of this deck. We'll plan to introduce you to 7 Mile just to give you an awareness of who we are if you've not yet been uh, made familiar with our firm. We'll talk a bit about navigating COVID specifically for 7 Mile as well as the broader market, what we've seen. And, and, and I can talk through some anecdotal points and stories on that. We'll talk a bit about general market trends and themes that we're seeing throughout the course of this year. We'll talk a bit more specifically about some of the particular segments of the market that we focus on, some of the subsectors within that, and then we'll get into kind of go forward where we think the market might be trending from an M&A activity, valuation, and volume standpoint. So those are the primary objectives for today. I'll start with just a quick intro on 7 Mile and to share a bit about our firm. We're a boutique investment bank based in Charlotte, North Carolina, we focus exclusively on merger and acquisition and capital raise transaction advisory. We were founded in 2008 with a mission of delivering this deeply verticalized transaction advisory to companies in the middle market and focused on B2B tech and tech services. So to us, what that means is we're spending the majority of our time working with companies that are in the digital tech services space. So companies that are doing software development, customer experience, working on cloud solutions, anything of that nature, getting into digital marketing services with organizations that may be working from a technical standpoint, marketing technology solutions, customer acquisition, lead gen, things of that nature. Also, uh, we spend a bit of time in the enterprise software space, working with companies that are providing SaaS software solutions or upfront license and maintenance model solutions as well, but delivered in a B2B context as opposed to consumer-facing software. Lastly, IT consulting, which could involve anything from systems integration, implementation to backend IT infrastructure support, monitoring, maintenance, and, and managed services surrounding IT equipment. We are based in Charlotte, North Carolina, where we have the bulk of our employees. 
in satellite offices in LA, Pittsburgh, and West Palm Beach. We're very much geographically agnostic and advise clients globally to ensure that you know we're we're well suited to work with companies regardless of geography, knowing that the tech and tech services world is becoming much more agnostic from a geographic standpoint with a lot of growth we've seen in areas like Eastern Europe and South America. We've executed 150 plus B2B tech transactions, and we have 22 M&A professionals dedicated fully to B2B tech. Most of our work is sell-side advisory. We will, however, take on buy-side work here and there. That's just a quick primer on us. Here are some of our credentials, parties that we've closed transactions with, and some recent um, notable transactions. For us, if you look at the top right here, you'll see organizations that are in the tech-enabled business services space, cloud solutions. And and by that, I mean both cloud apps. So companies that are providing consulting implementation services around app-based solutions such as Salesforce or others. And this company in particular was also doing cloud infrastructure work in that they were helping clients migrate and develop applications in a cloud, public cloud hosted environment. Calypso is a business in the BPM product lifecycle management space, helping clients focus on building products, develop more efficient and effective ways to shrink timeline to market for their clients. Rockwell Automation was the ultimate acquirer there. AKA was a Microsoft partner focused on dynamics consulting. Bellatrix was a software product development company based out of Mendoza, Argentina. And Something Digital is a e-commerce development agency focused on the Adobe suite of solutions. And uh, Genpack was the ultimate acquirer there. Just in the last five years, we've advised on about a $1.9 billion in total transaction value and have completed 57 transactions in, in the last, or tech and tech services transactions in the last five years. So one of the hot topics, as you might anticipate, is navigating the COVID environment. There's obviously a big impact to the economy, to public market and how that's performing. And there's always a resulting impact with respect to M&A as buyers, including some strategic, are seeing their stock price totally fall in March and April and figuring out how to calibrate M&A strategies in light of that and as a result of that. One thing that has proven to be true post-initial impact of COVID has been the market performance of the uh, broad-speaking information technology space, which if you look at the verticals where we focus, it's most commonly represented by enterprise software, digital tech services, and digital marketing services. We saw as uh, state economies were shut down by governors, we saw a detrimental impact in particular verticals, but also on the market as a whole around the end of February, beginning of March timeframe. The Fed put out some boosters to poop to the market as, as, as quickly as they could. You saw them cut interest rate to, to zero or near zero. They had launched $700 billion in quantitative easing to get money supply in the market to increase lending, to increase capital investment. Initially, there was a poor response from the market and then eventually a slow, a start to a slow recovery, which really has been led by tech, as you've seen now in the enterprise software category and digital tech services space, some of these companies trading at all times highs and really a result of the resiliency of the digital marketplace as a whole and organizations still seeing that as an area to spend. And though projects may be put on pause or slow down, 
it's only a matter of time before those projects come back around, before that technology gets implemented. And honestly, in some areas, we saw acceleration of a need for organizations to move to a cloud collaboration environment from a workplace front office standpoint. And you saw areas like e-commerce just getting so much focus and attention in the market. So organizations like Adobe or Salesforce with strong e-commerce solutions trading at all-time highs. So there's a number of interesting factors. One of the areas that has not rebounded as well as tech and, and enterprise software has been the digital marketing services category, where we still see those organizations struggle a bit with growth and trying to figure out their course of action in an environment that is becoming much less ad agency services-like and much more tech, MarTech services-like. Those are some of the things that we're kind of keeping our eyes on. But overall, we're pleased to be focused on the, on the tech services space and see a good bit of resiliency and momentum that is uh, here in the market. With respect to Seven Mile, and I'll, I'll try to hit on one of the questions that was posed around valuations and, and how you know, valuations have been impacted pre and post COVID. We saw the market free fall in March. And during the midst of that, processes either slow down or, or were paused altogether. I would say, broadly speaking, of our client base, if you, if you look at the number of clients that we were working with, we saw more than not a slowdown as opposed to companies falling apart and falling by the wayside. If organizations were projecting 20 or 30% growth year over year, maybe they revisited that and knocked it down to 10 to 20% growth, just in light of a bit of an unknown and some inkling from clients that there were going to be rate concessions that would be required to keep things moving along at least in the March-April timeframe, there was so much uncertainty around the market. We've started to see that kind of shore up and organizations put a bit more conviction around where they believe full year will end up as we've seen the market rebound and as there's been a bit more stability in the, in the overall macroeconomic climate. Something that we've seen that has been interesting is in the March-April timeframe, we, we saw strategic acquirers really put a hard slowdown on processes and revisit with their boards an M&A strategy. We've now seen those strategies begin to play out. And for sure, we, at least in the spaces that we cover, they are not slowing down from an acquisition standpoint. It's more so been a move towards areas where they see predictable growth and predictable market opportunity with cloud infrastructure, e-commerce, you know, remote software development. Those types of areas have attracted their attention, just to name a few. And then with a private equity side of things, they've got lots of capital that they need to put to work. They continue to pursue deals, albeit just a bit more cautiously and with more stringent standards around the types of deals that they were doing. So that could mean, and how we've seen it play out would be a bit of a focus more towards recurring oriented revenue streams or really sticky types of solutions where they're in with a client and can be very difficult to replace as opposed to a very projecty oriented type of business model with quick, you know, one or two month types of projects. Good companies have continued to attract interest in premium valuations, while others have, as opposed to plowing forward at a reduced valuation, have opted to just put things on pause and may likely uh, revisit things in 2021 as COVID, you know, maybe at that time more in the rearview mirror. Overall, second half of the year, deal activity is rebounding very nicely. But H1 was a big hit, particularly in, in Q2. And I'll talk a bit more about that later on in the presentation. In terms of our success, I believe really just as a result of where our organization is, is pointed, 
also in large part with the amount of momentum heading into this year. This may still likely be a very good year for us, if not our best year yet to date. We've had seven transactions closed since April. We have six uh, letters of intent that we've successfully negotiated and are working towards close. Of those seven closed deals, valuation multiples are still in what we would say are very um, interesting, compelling ranges, amounting to aggregate transaction value of about $350 million. Anecdotally, if I could give you a quick aside on and really trying to speak to in the middle market how we've seen valuations and deals play out pre and post COVID. There was a client with which we were in the market right as COVID was hitting and impacting the public market. We received initial bids just prior to things falling apart and saw a top bidder in the 50 million cash at close range. And about two months later, as we kind of slowed things down, but still made progress with parties, given the fact that there was continued interest in the deal, saw letters of intent in that top bidder come in at 48 million with almost all of that cash to close, some portion of that in an earnout. You know, slight movement on the deal, overall deal value, and then some introduction of an earnout. But overall, you know, not a super drastic change or shift in deal value. And I really believe that's a result of the long-term trends that buyers are getting behind when they think through where they're applying capital in digital solutions, whether it be cloud or, or software development or, or, or other. So that's just a quick anecdotal bit. Happy to address any further questions that you might have as we get further throughout the presentation. If we look at some of the general market trends and look at the big picture M&A activity across all sectors for 2020, we've got stats here to show you on a historical basis where that has trended and where that is today. The gray bar on the top right represents the analyzed view if we were to take a look at an analyzed 2020, where that would fall out from a deal count standpoint about a 24% year-over-year decline in deal count. And then in terms of by capital or by deal value, we're seeing a more drastic 40% decline year-over-year. A lot of that really attributed to a slowdown in mega deals in Q2 and lingering into Q3, where we saw organizations not really wanting to be in a position where they're betting the farm on a huge mega deal that exposes them to potential risks should COVID return and, and impact how that organization is trading in the market. So we saw a big slowdown there. We're starting to see that ramp back up, specifically with, with mega deals making a nice rebound in Q3 and hopefully in Q4 here as well. I think it's safe to say you know, 2020 will be a down year to a meaningful degree as a result of the COVID pressure. And also a noteworthy stat is the fact that PE, private equity money, has accounted for the largest percentage of activity since 2007. So has capital to put forth they're being more stringent in their standards for what deals they'll do, but there's still a need for them to put capital to work and to do deals. So we're seeing that provide some sort of support and uh, resilience in the market as well. In terms of valuations on a broad market basis, this is across all sectors. Though we've seen m activity decline sharply year over year, valuation multiples have really remained relatively stable compared to historical averages. You see the median revenue multiples on the left chart, the far right-hand side at 1.9x. And then on an EBITDA standpoint, really stable, if not the highest EBITDA multiples that we've seen in some time at 10.5 times EBITDA for 2020. Really what we believe that's indicative of is a greater focus towards profitability as buyers have a more difficult time paying a revenue multiple detached from nice, strong profitability we're seeing uh, EBITDA paid that much more attention to. And the other thing that we've noticed is 
these numbers are going to be a bit skewed by way of some of those business models that are more resilient are drawing that much more attraction and interest in the market. And there's more competition for those deals while we've seen some of the deals on the market that may have traded at a lower enterprise value or a lower multiple fall by the wayside and those deals not getting done. So there's some survivorship bias that presents itself in these results. In terms of uh, overall you know, market interest, where we've seen buyers put their capital, where we've seen deals getting done on an LTM basis, we thought it important to call out the fact that information technology and B2B products and services have attracted and, and grown in terms of overall market activity for M&A in comparison to 10 years back. So it's not a super drastic shift, but it is an area where we've seen more activity versus some of these other segments of the market that you'll see here. But information technology grew in terms of overall deal count by 2%, and then B2B products and services grew by 1%. In terms of kind of margins and, and multiples on this first slide here, you'll see some of the margins. And as you might anticipate and expect, gross margin taking a bit of a hit. And this is specific to the information technology sector but 47% average margin going to 46%. This does include both software and services companies. It's important to note. And then from an EBITDA standpoint, 15% to 14.6%. In large part, a result of rate concessions, contracts being canceled or paused to some degree in the lower, you know, in middle market transactions, organizations that opted to retain staff instead of making cuts to headcount through the PPP program and the benefits of that. From a multiples standpoint, we've actually seen in the information technology sector, revenue multiples increase from 4 to 4.9 times revenue, and on an EBITDA multiple basis, an increase from 18.8 to 21.3. You know, you scratch your head and, and wonder why that might be in this current market environment. And really what it is, is a result of the fact that there's, this is a, an area of growth. Companies in this space have proven capable of growth and even in to some degree, very high growth in spite of the overall macroeconomic climate. And for that reason are attracting that much more attention to it. And so, as I noted on a previous slide, you got organizations that are trading at all time highs and a lot of faith and confidence around where the world is heading from a digital technology standpoint. And you've got surveys and studies that are being conducted to say, if anything, companies are not looking to decrease their spend on digital, even near term, they're looking to increase or at least maintain the amount of spend that they're putting towards digital technologies. And as you think through some of those areas, I want to reiterate e-commerce, MarTech, cloud as, as some of those areas that are gaining particular attention. So in terms of where the market has shifted, how valuations have changed by some of the subsectors that we focus on, and I'll even take it a click further on the next slide here. But at a higher level, we focus really on enterprise software, digital technology services, and then digital marketing services. In the grayed out boxes, you'll see 2015 valuation multiples. In the letter blue dot in the white boxes, you'll see where those companies are trading more currently. You've seen digital technology services, for instance, move from about 2.7 times revenue and about 14 times EBITDA to closer to three times revenue and closer to 16, 17 times EBITDA. And information technology as a whole, making a, a drastic move from about 3.7 times revenue to closer to five times revenue, and also moving up from about 17 times EBITDA to about 21 
times EBITDA. So, and then enterprise software is a very noticeable, drastic change and in, in getting more aggressive from a revenue multiple standpoint. All of this is not super unexpected, but interesting to call out as we see in a theme that you'll hear from me over the course of the next few slides is how important a factor growth is for valuations. And if you look at digital technology services, information technology as a whole and enterprise software, so much of this valuation improvement or increase is associated with high growth out of these segments of the market. And where we've seen organizations struggle has been in the digital marketing services space where they've seen a bit of their market share consumed or taken over by the Accentures and Deloitte's and, and Cognizance and more technology-oriented organizations. So overall, digital marketing services from a revenue multiple standpoint has taken a bit of a step back with a focus more towards EBITDA. EBITDA multiple has increased just slightly, something worth, worth noting. I won't go through each dot here, but these are some of the more specific subsets of the market. And I believe we'll make this presentation available afterwards. So you've got a view as to um, you know, where, where these are all shaken out. To take it a step further, though, and talk through some of the public comps that we use to provide these valuation metrics that you're seeing in the digital technology services space, these organizations listed here are more of the pure plays that we can identify where, though not exclusively, but largely focused on um, digital technologies, whether it be software development, implementation of cloud solutions, consumer experience, analytics, those types of capabilities is where these organizations are really spending a lot of their time. Areas where we have seen the highest multiples and getting to the point where there's very impressive trading multiples with organizations that I've got highlighted here, like Indaba, Globan, and EPAM that are trading in the five to 10 times revenue range, north of 40 times EBITDA, which we would say is incredibly high for a services-based business. We really can see that tied to their year-over-year growth and sustained growth that they've had for a number of years, really limited impact from COVID as a result of the fact that so much of the work is delivered from Eastern Europe or South American, quote unquote, offshore locations. So you have this business model that's been set up to thrive in a virtual remote environment and a market opportunity with tons of uh, demand for digital solutions and custom technologies and a move towards more and more cloud-based software solutions you've got these organizations that have really been built to thrive in this type of environment and the market is rewarding them for that performance, but also pressuring them to continue to grow year over year. So that's something that is worth calling out. If you look at M&A activity in this space in the market, there's really been no drop-off, which is uh, pretty interesting to see. We've still seen the same name, you know, the same parties show up and do deals. Organizations like Infosys, ICF, Globant, DXC continue to put capital to work. And also new entrants to this space in the market, both in the form of strategic acquirers, as well as private equity groups that know the importance of digital and see the tailwinds and the writing on the wall with where that's heading in a longer term basis. Enterprise software, it's not a different story where growth is driving multiples. And so you see Workday, Salesforce, Adobe, all trading at very high revenue multiples, you know, 13, 12, and 19 times revenue and getting into high EBITDA multiples. It's really associated with these growth rates that we see over year. You know, a lot still going on in the software space. You did see a bit of a pullback in the software M&A activity. And more than anything else, what we would see that as an attribution of is 
there's been a lot of M&A activity that has occurred at the mega deal level over the last three or four years in a more fragmented market at this point. And so you saw Salesforce acquire Tableau, that being a very notable deal. But a lot of these organizations have bulked up over the last three or four years, I think are more so than anything else, probably returning to more of a normalized median for, uh, for M&A for this year and, and potentially going forward as well. In the digital marketing services space, you saw a point that I made mention of earlier around revenue growth year over year. And these are organizations that are having a bit of difficulty identifying a growth strategy and that's showing up in their year-over-year growth. And as a result, they're trading multiples. S4 Capital is kind of a new entrant to the public landscape and is a smaller dynamic organization that's been able to trade quite nicely as a result of growth being newly listed. But uh, some of these longer-term mainstays, I expect that we'll see M&A drive a good bit of their strategy going forward to ensure that they can maintain growth and start to separate themselves out from this pack. And then you see, um, just in terms of M&A activity, where that's uh, trended out for 2020, and then some uh, sample notable transactions as of late. And kind of wrapping up here, I've got just this slide and one more. We are seeing information technology, just a number of different drivers of growth and number of different tailwinds that are boosting the activity in the space from an M&A standpoint, as well as valuations. In the market, digital transformation spend is expected to continue growing. 70% of businesses reported that they would either increase investments or at least maintain current spends, even in spite of the disruption caused by COVID. You've got organizations like Microsoft, AWS, Google, Adobe, and Salesforce that are trading at all-time highs and just putting forth solutions that are very user-friendly, seamless, effective solutions that are helping organizations operate in a difficult market environment and a difficult workplace environment right now. And you're seeing the fruit of that in the form of their partner ecosystems, as well as they perform. Cloud and e-commerce capabilities is huge right now. You've seen COVID accelerate initiatives that organizations have been thinking about for some time as they move from more of a brick and mortar environment or in-person business to a more digital based realm. So overall, information technology, we continue to be very bullish on it. We expect valuations to remain relatively unchanged where growth occurs. And we anticipate that there's still much in the way of roadway ahead of us. In terms of market outlook, there's a number of different factors to consider. Not only do we have COVID going on, we're also in an election year. You've got factors such as an increase in monetary supply that's boosting lending and investment activity to get more capital in the market. You've got digital technology with nice tailwinds continuing to fuel growth. Strategic organizations have aligned their strategies around very predictable market trends, and then private equity becoming a bit more stringent in their investment standards, but still very much putting capital to work. 2020 will close out as a down year in M&A, but I wouldn't be surprised if 2021 is a nice rebound where you've seen organizations and, and really sellers get more of the COVID impact in the rearview mirror and start focusing around 2021 types of results. There's still an unknown that exists with respect to public policy around COVID. If a second wave comes, what's that going to do to government, you know, state and local governments shutting down economies and, and, and putting things on, on standstill? There's that risk that still exists, though you know, market seems to be thriving in spite of that. Mega deals, I mentioned that is a point of focus. Q3 deal value increased almost 140% quarter over quarter from Q2 to Q3, driven largely by mega deals. 
And we saw a count between deals in total drop 32% year over year in Q3. So a number of different factors there. But I, I think what you can attribute that to is organizations getting a bit more confident in putting putting more capital to work, writing bigger checks to get deals done. And then, you know, lastly, with respect to the election, it's difficult for us to predict how that may or may not impact M&A activity. There's a couple of main factors going on. One would be cap gains. Tax treatment is likely to increase under a Biden administration. There's not much you can do about that as a seller unless it's such that you're prepared to exit before, you know, potentially before year end or before um, new policy is put in place. And the only other factor that we can really more directly correlate to is there could be under a Biden administration, a greater regulatory environment, which could in turn increase the reliance for organizations, third-party technology and solutions and uh, consulting providers. There's for sure a number of other factors and we've got some good sources that we can point you to and we'll send out the deck as a good lead behind with links to uh, some of the source material for that. That concludes the presentation. We've got about 10 minutes here, which I'll pause for, for Q&A. Let me see what I've got here. Emily, is there a way for you to um, jump in and read off some of the questions? I'm not able to see them. So our first question here, it looks like it says, multiples are very high at the moment, yet you have said that deals are still being done for quality companies. Do you see moving forward that multiples will fall what do you see M&A activity doing with regards to multiple levels? It's a good question. I think the thing that we can say based on what we've seen year to date is multiples have remained relatively consistent, which one could argue is relatively high looking back at, at multiples from five, five, 10 years ago. And the biggest attribution for that, I would say, is where an organization got, has got growth and an ability to maintain nice gross margins. So for a services-based business, margins that are in excess of you know, 40, 40-ish percent and growth rates that are in the 20 to 30% range, our expectation is that that's indicative of high value add and market opportunity. And we anticipate that those companies continue attracting nice valuations. I think where you start to see a discount or a tick down in valuations would be those organizations that have a tougher time maintaining growth or and or maintaining gross margins. And it could likely be indicative of um, a lower value add proposition to clients or, and or more limited market opportunity or ability to capitalize on market opportunity. And you may likely see those valuations um, tick down or maybe more re- realistically, those organizations that you know, might have been able to get an extra turn or so of EBITDA this is not the year where that's happening. And so they've opted to kind of put things on pause, refocus on their strategy and focus on 2021. And maybe at that point, revisit a uh, go-to-market, a go-to-market approach. Next question here is, are multiples also including software and services? Yep. Good question. So these multiples is regardless of industry, that's really macroeconomic where the market's trading. The multiples on slide 15 here would include both software and services. So it's important to to call that out, which is why we go into a bit more depth here. Digital technology services, this is limited to services-based organizations. Digital marketing services is limited to services-based organizations. Enterprise software is limited to software. And information technology is an aggregation of these three different sectors. 
And the specific representative companies are each of these public baskets that you'll see on these ensuing slides. Next question here asks, why no discussion or focus on ServiceNow? It's a good question. ServiceNow is what I would say a newer player, whereas I've opted as a part of this presentation to simply focus on you know, some of the longer mainstay names like a Salesforce and Adobe or Microsoft. But that's not to say we don't see a lot of buzz and momentum around the ServiceNow ecosystem. We're seeing that as an area of investment for buyers. We're seeing a lot of buyers focus on ServiceNow and have an attraction to it. The reality is there aren't that many ServiceNow players with scale. It's our view that that ecosystem still has some maturity in terms of building out to arrive at a number of parties that have scale before much M&A activity is focused in that space in the market. But it's definitely an area where we see a ton of growth and an area that we're super excited about. So the next question here says, can you elaborate specifically on B2B SaaS multiples for 2020? It's hard to know if enterprise software covers both SaaS and non-SaaS. You said B2B SaaS? Yeah, it's a a good question. And I think what you can point to, if you look at the public basket of organizations, you look at someone like a Salesforce and a Workday as what we would call out to be as pure play SaaS as you can get as a publicly traded organization. And the remainder of these organizations, you know, obviously covering both SaaS as well as the legacy upfront maintenance, uh, license and maintenance model. As we think about publicly traded entities and where they're trading, we always think about um, some sort of discount as it relates to smaller mid-market companies who don't have the same type of track record or client longevity or you know, a number of other factors that would allow an organization at this scale to, to trade at these types of multiples. As we try to think about how to discount or, or where SaaS software businesses trade, it really becomes so much a result of, of growth and market opportunity. So it becomes a little bit more difficult than a services-based business as to where to draw the line around framing up evaluation. But I would say, you know, historically speaking, we may have seen an enterprise software business and more of a legacy model traded about two or three X revenue, whereas a SaaS-based software company in the middle market may be more of a four to six times revenue type of model. But there's just so many factors that go into it with respect to growth rates and other influencing factors that it gets a bit difficult to predict. That's what I would say. Great. Thank you. The next question here is, what kind of appetite is there for smaller enterprise software startups with ARR less than 1 million? Good question. It seems each year as we see more and more growth in the broadly speaking digital ecosystem, both for service providers and software players, the threshold or the hurdle for size goes up a bit more each year. And I would say, you know, it, for a services-based company, where we see some of the larger strategics get interested is, call it north of 15 million revenue. And for some, some of the largest strategics, you know, north of 20 or 30 million revenue. On the software side of things, we seem to see a bit of a threshold around the 5 to 10 million revenue range. And then for some of the largest software companies, maybe north of 20 million it gets a bit more difficult to predict there as it becomes more so focused around the capabilities of the technology solution itself. For instance, I, I sold a business years back to VMware that had maybe one or two million in, in software revenue. And it was really just a result of being in the right place at the right time with the right IP and, and technology that attracted VMware to it. 
but in a broad option process, it, it really in the software space, I, I wouldn't build a business plan around that type of outcome. I would think more so around you know getting to at least five to ten million in software revenue, and then considering it, at that point there should be more more broad based interest in the business. It looks like we are out of time here. If we didn't make it to your question, we can follow up. Emily, thanks so much for hosting this. We appreciate your time and your interest in joining. Feel free to follow up with questions and we'll also make this deck available to the participants. Thanks so much for your time, everyone. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Deal Talk with 7MA. You'll find more information and resources based on today's discussion exclusively on our website. If you're looking to dive deeper into today's topics, head to 7mileadvisors.com to speak to one of our bankers today. That's the number 7, M-I-L-E-A-D-V-I-S-O-R-S.com. 7M Securities does not make any investment recommendation for any company or security that was discussed, nor does the firm offer any tax advice. Consult your tax advisor for any tax matter that might apply to you or your business. 